All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another edition of Shabbat Lounge. This is Matt. And Jake here. Jake, what are we doing? We're doing Torah portions, and this is our high-end Chinese balloon view of the Torah portions. So that's about 60,000 feet for those in uh, Maryland. And so um, this is week 39 of the Torah portions, and I think you pronounce this Chew Cat. No, I thought it was like, (coughs) oh, maybe. So what's the what's the real life English version of that statute? Okay, and so uh, and it comes from Numbers nineteen twenty two, one, and uh, interesting. It appears to be rock, a water with rock out of coming mm. out of it, just like uh, always happens. Yes, yes. So well, we'll jump right into it. But uh, Jake, what do they need to do? What do we ask them to do first? Uh, like and subscribe, and uh, check out our website and the multitude of upgrades that have occurred there recently. And uh, you can go there and pull out any such Torah portion for any such week that you desire. Yeah, yeah. We encourage you. You can use it as a in your group, can't you? Yes. So we have uh, some people that do that. That would be. Us. Us. So we find it handy, and so that's what one reason we made it, is we liked it so and needed it. And then if you can find it useful, please, by all means, use it and share it. Well, week 39 is where we find ourselves here, and we're going to dive into that and take a look and see what it's about. So, so Jake, um, I've got this plant here. Um, have you ever seen hyssop? Uh, only... Uh... Since I've started reading the Torah portions and we started going, what the heck is all this hyssop we're talking about? Do you know what we're looking at here? The actual name of this plant? Bees. Bees. The bees' knees. Yes. So the image that I have for those of you that uh, get the benefit of seeing this online, well, this is hyssop. And uh, it basically is lavender. Yeah, what I say it looks like lavender. So, and and it makes sense that that would make a good paintbrush, wouldn't it? It's it's made a good toothbrush in the past. I I think so. Yeah. Uh, If you can paint a tooth, you can paint a brush. Yeah, same thing. I think is how the saying. (laughs) Yes, that's an old saying. You have to go way back for that one. So exactly. Jake is an old soul. That's so true. hyssop is mentioned six times just in this uh, section here. So tell us uh, when hyssop is mentioned. When, uh, oh, usually, and it's, you know, not just this section, but oftentimes it's used in the sprinkling of blood. Yes. And yes. the painting of blood on doorposts mm-hmm. and the like. Such as Passover. Right. And then, in this case, you have this red heifer situation. Yeah. Well, and then we also see it with leprosy. Yes. With uh, the cleansing for that. And then, didn't David say something about the hyssop? Uh, yes. He talks about the hyssop also. Didn't he say he wished he could be cleansed by the hyssop or something like that? I think that's the the general idea there. And what about the last one? And then on the cross, the staros... Uh, when they uh, they had the hyssop there as well. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe there's more, but that's that's what we found were those six places where it's mentioned. And so it's mentioned in this particular passage as well. So it, 
there's also a lot of cleanliness and cleansing here. And there's some things that typically always are associated with cleansing. And Jake, we did something a while back where we talked about sin and leprosy. And we saw, I think, if I remember right, didn't we see some of these same things in that? Yeah, that's pretty well uh, patterned that way. The the scarlet's consistent, the hyssop's consistent, cedar's also consistent, and uh, having to do with this cleansing situation. So it's almost like it's important to be cleansed. Mm-hmm. It's an important, important concept. Well, it's interesting that in, in all of those cases, the leprosy, the the uh, cleanliness ritual for sin, um, that you've got cedar, scarlet, hyssop all mentioned, and so and and then even with your if your house gets mold, yeah. So there's something about combining those things to to they're very cleansing, right? And especially if you think about hyssop being lavender, it's got a nice smell. Cedar also with a nice smell. And then the scarlet red, well, you know, the scarlet is interesting too. With the red, uh, do you think that possibly is a tie-in to the blood? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it would be because typically when you think of clean things, you don't think having blood all over it. But especially in today's world, that's not what we think. Right. But in biblical pattern, that's... That is the pattern is, is if it has the blood on it, it's the clean thing. Yeah. 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 Very good. All right. And so if you go online and did I turn the volume down on this, Jake? At one point. Probably not. So yeah, I, I, would, I would click on that. But uh, this is the video that we did. It is in YouTube. Uh, if you Googled Sabbath Lounge, Leprosy and Sin, how does God view sin? I get, I've, I'm pretty sure that'll pop up. So, But, uh, but we do have that out there. Uh, and we studied how the, uh, what would you say, the cleanliness ritual for leprosy is almost identical to sin. Right. Well, the, the uh, effects of leprosy is the is the same as sin, sin's effects, and then we need cleanse from both of those things because it keeps us away from other people, keeps us away from God. We're unclean, right? With stinks, yeah. Uh, you know that you know there's some consequences to it. So it's it's an interesting study. I encourage you to check that out if you want to see more. All right. What about this one, Jake? Uh, so this is just a tie-in to uh, from the red heifer and the cleansing and that we've just been talking about. But Yeshua takes away our sin. It's uh, it's a the shadow picture of Yeshua taking away our sin, uh, and it tied in with the red heifer. You know, they would take it outside the camp, just as Messiah was crucified outside the camp. And then water baptism cleansing you. So there's there's uh, all of those ideas in this Torah portion are shadow pictures of Messiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very good. And then we also see some sin transfer transfer uh, where sin is transferred from the center to the sinless. 
and they're and they're made unclean. The unclean is made clean. Right. It's and, similar to the the goats. Uh, the Azazel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure the the little background here. Hopefully that uh, sand did not come from the litter box. <laughs> oh, I thought that was like grains from yeah. like from the last one. Maybe so. Maybe so. All right. So, um, so on the sin transfer and the red heifer, they had to keep the ashes. And what did they do with the ashes? Yeah, so they took this uh, the ashes, and they just carried them around with them to to cleanse as needed. Lots kind of different of, things. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was kind of interesting. So a lot of people um, don't consider, or we used to. If you're like us, you d- used to not consider that there was any grace in the Old Testament, but there's. A lot of examples of grace, and even this idea of the sin transference, a type of grace. It's a type of forgiveness. It's a, it's a type of, uh, definitely a type of that. Um, that he allows an atonement process yeah. to begin with. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if it says they were made clean, that makes me think that uh, the sin is not on them. Right. If they if they did these things right, so right. there was a process, and I think a lot of people don't understand that about the the Torah and the Old Testament, and they are just like, oh, there's no grace, there's no forgiveness. If you break the smallest thing, you're frying and going to hell because you <laughs> followed the law. <laughs> exactly, and there's no room for forgiveness for you, and that was that was not a concept that was taught in Torah. There was. There was a way out if you followed the way. If you refuse to repent, then yeah, yeah, it's bad for you. <laughs> There's not, it's not a good path. But if you come back to him, make teshuva, and follow the procedure, you can be made clean. Yeah, that, what is that, that whole idea that the Torah even has allowance for sin? How to address it? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, So we're saying, you know, study that out, that there is yeah. there is grace in the Old Testament. And if you have the eyes to see it, you'll see it. Exactly. So. All right. And then we have this weird scripture where Edom, uh, who is Edom, we might ask. Well, Malachi, if you didn't know who Edom was, Malachi is going to clear it up for us. But, Jake, this was about they needed to go across this particular piece of land, and there were some rules or there's some things he said, you know, do this and do this. And the Edomites were like, none shall pass. Yeah, they were like, uh, we'll go through and we won't take anything. We just need to get through. And they're like, uh, false. That's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Or as the kids say now, miss me with that, bro. Is it? I think that's what, what they said. That's what they said. Okay, that's good, bro. <laughs> All right, would you read uh, Malachi here? Malachi one two through five. I loved you, says Yahweh, but you ask, how did you love us? Wasn't Esau Jacob's brother? Declares Yahweh. I loved Jacob, but Esau I hated. I turned his mountains into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the jackals in the desert. The descendants of Esau may say, We have been beaten down, but we will rebuild the ruins. 
Yet this is what Yahweh Sebaoth says. They may rebuild, but I will tear it down. They will be called the wicked land and the people with whom Yahweh is always angry. You will see these things with your own eyes and say, even outside the borders of Israel, Yahweh is great. So it doesn't sound like this ended up being a good thing for Edom. No, it seems to uh, have that uh, ricochet effect wherein, uh, you know, it, it kind of goes to the uh, those who treat Israel well will be treated well and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And there are many people today that believe that's the country, the nation of Israel, the political state, but we're talking about the spiritual Israel. Right. So, but the this, true Israel. That's right. And this whole Jacob and Esau thing, it's so huge um, because, you know, we're either going to be like Jacob or we're going to be like Esau. And if we're like Jacob, Yahweh says he's going to love us. If we're going to like, if we're going to be like Esau, it's, it's no good. So, um, and, and, and what, what is it, Jake? What, what does Esau rep- represent to you here? What, what do you think that's about? So Esau is representing uh, taking your own path, walking the way of the world, because the world's way is to take your own path and uh, not follow Yahweh's instead. So Jacob is uh, uh, about his father's business, about Yahweh's business, and Esau was about his own business and his own gain. Yeah, exactly. And then it makes sense that his descendants had those characters. I don't think that's a stretch. Right. The characteristics is what I meant. Yeah. So, and I think that's what we're seeing later, you know, years later, you've got this group of people. They're like, oh, I remember you guys. Y'all stole the birthright. No, <laughs> you can't go through. Y'all it's, stole the birthright. <laughs> so it's like, a, it, it was actually like the, uh, what was the old feud? You know, the it's Hatfields like the, and the McCoys. and McCoys. That's right. Yeah. This was nothing, you know, that's nothing new. It's been around a long time. Yeah. So I think, go back real quick. If at all possible. Easy for you to say. I know. Well, I'll just say, so it it talked about right here, even outside the borders of Israel, Yahweh is great. So I think uh, one thing that tends to happen is people get focused on, well, no, that that was all stuff for Israel and that kind of thing. And this is, you know, he was, he was the, the, the God of Israel. Uh, and yet, uh, and so they'll, and they'll say, so the law was for specifically Israel. That's very specific group of people at that very specific time. Right. And yet we see other places where he says, it is so that the other nations will look upon you and say, what a great Elohim that has given you such righteous laws. Uh, so it's meant to be a, uh, a beacon to the other nations. So they look at that and go, Oh, that's how we should be living. And then they do that. Yeah. Um, which we would call being grafted into Israel. Once you, once you take that on and go, Oh, I want to be like that. You, you become Israel at that Mm. point. Yeah. So it is for everyone, even outside the borders of Israel so that they will come into Israel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh Oh, I think we already did that. Oh, I think we're going For backwards. For some reason, we're going backwards. Not supposed to go backwards, Jake. Only forward. There it is. We should be good to go now. Almost. 
you can probably enter to the next one now. Now that it's going the right direction, I should imagine. There we go. Hey, we, right. know, we know how if technology we had a, is. That's right. If we had a good editor, we'd go back and fix that. But we don't have a good editor. <laughs> he doesn't work here. All right, so we've got Moses, and he smote the rock. Jake likes to say smote. I do like to say smote. So, so Jake, uh, in this scripture in Corinthians, we'll read in a second. Do you think it's possible to, to make an argument that, in essence, that when you then when Moses um, does when he strikes this rock, he in essence struck Yeshua in a way. I tend to think that uh, I would say, how can you not make that case? Yeah, that would be the the yeah. hard one is is make it not work out that way. And before we get into that, what what was wrong about what he did? So in the actual portion Yahweh so in the first time Yahweh says Moses strike the rock water comes out of the rock and so he does that and then this time he says Moses speak to the rock and water will come out and uh, he does not He's, he swacks the rock and uh, that's chalked up by Yahweh uh, as unbelief on Moses' part and that's that's what Moses is uh, uh, convicted of by mm-hmm. Yahweh in, in that instance. Yeah, yeah, which is very humbling to us to think about Moses and the life he lived, and uh, he gets punished for this. And you know, and it be it's so easy for us to justify and go, "Well, he was fed up. These people were driving him crazy. Look at all the <laughs> stuff that they just did. And right. They rebelled and they complained and just con- just constant bickering and just nothing is ever making them happy. And they don't want to follow the rules and they reject it. And so, yeah, he was a little ticked off at all these people. But um, but I think there is something about him. It also shows you how reverent uh, God is to be, and and he is a jealous jealous L as it says and you know he can't have anything else before him and in a way some people argue that when Moses strikes the rock that he's taking some of that glory for himself um, but uh, definitely an interesting story and Moses didn't do what he's supposed to right so um, alright so let's read 1 Corinthians 10 one through four and learn who the rock really is. So moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Messiah. So do you think this implies that all through the desert experience, there's a rock following them that had the uh, the living water flowing from it uh, to provide nourishment for the people. I don't picture it as a rock with legs <laughs> following <laughs> behind them or anything. Or what about the rocks in uh, Death Valley that move across the floor? Yeah, it's probably similar to that. Mm-hmm. Or on the moon. The rocks on the moon do that too, I think. Yeah. That move. Yeah, yeah. That's why they call them move rocks mm-hmm. or moon, moon, moon rocks. I don't know what they call them. Anyway, but uh, yeah, I think too when you assign 
okay, the rock is Messiah and he's stricken once and then you're punished for striking him again. And it goes into that idea of, of um, now that you've uh, received the blessing of Messiah's sacrifice, now you live righteously else you're um you're trampling that that sacrifice underfoot and essentially now you're sacrificing him again each time you go back to the sin Mm. so it's that returning back to okay now i have to smite messiah again because i did not learn my lesson i didn't accept the the sacrifice that was done once for all yeah, yeah, he can't die repeatedly, can he? No, and uh, Yahweh speaks very <laughs> harshly against people to to be doing that. So yeah, that's I good. think that's why this is specifically a a big deal that Moses did not obey. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And then this is the scripture. We probably should have started with this one, but uh, this is the actual scripture where it says, the Lord said to Moses, take the staff and your brother Aaron gathered the assembly together, speak to the rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. Water you will bring out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. And we know that he struck it. So right. clearly he said, speak. Yeah. No, we put it in the right order. We put the real thing and then the shadow picture behind it. (laughs) And so this area also becomes the waters at Mirabah, or dispute or coral. Yeah, apparently uh, when you got water in the desert, it could lead to quarreling. Maybe so. Maybe so. So the people do. They complain about food. And This is the first time though, right? No, hey. at least it was. So they're complaining, and there's something about snakes in a pole. Yeah, this is this was always a weird one. It's like put up this idol with this bronze snake on it, and it's like, hmm, this is. And you know, then if you go look at it, the snake bite won't kill you. It's it's really kind of weird, but um, you know, I, I think it's one of those that there may be a little bit more to this that we don't understand, and you know, just as yeah. just me representing myself and not Jake or anyone else, but just thinking out loud, it, it kind of makes sense to me that the context behind this is is maybe you know, we know from the history of Israel that it's not a stretch that they were into worshiping idols. <laughs> not, not a stretch. <laughs> they had a propensity to do that. And so it's almost like one of those scriptures where he's like, you know what? Fine. You guys want this idol so much. Here you go. It's yours. I'm sending you these snakes and you're going to have to look up at this thing to be saved. And you know what? Uh, I was thinking about that too. And mm-hmm. and I kind of fall on that that kind of same wavelength is it's Romans one and you see Romans one yeah. over and over again. And this is an example of it. I Turn, think. Turned them over to their deprivation. Yeah. And, and, and whatever this snake bite is, it does seem to be biting the complainers. So they're the ones causing the problems. And those are also probably not a stretch to think there's some of your idolaters, not that that's necessary. You can't make that correlation, 
Because let's face it, who hasn't complained? Right. But it also, if you if we if you are a complainer and you know you're a complainer, don't. Right. Because I think you I, can tell that it doesn't make him happy. Right. Yeah. I think it goes to uh, trustworthiness in Yahweh to to take care of your needs. If you're complaining about what you have, I mean, uh, then you're really complaining about the one who gave it, gave you what you have. So you're rejecting him in a way. Right. Saying it's not good enough, not enough. And then read John three fourteen. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. So yeah, not only the Romans one thing, but also specifically, uh, I think, this is kind of how I picture it, I guess, is that when Messiah takes sin on himself, he's kind of the position of what Satan would be, right? Because Satan is kind of a representation of, of sinfulness. Hmm. Uh, and when Messiah dies for our sins, he's taking sin on himself and he becomes the serpent on the staff, basically. Yeah, you see what good. I mean? That makes sense. If Jay. that makes any sense. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, that's real good. So I think there's a lot of a lot of Yeshua in this in this portion. And I think it also is a correlation to what you're saying that um in essence it's the you know, our sin and you know, that's what, what caused that to happen and you know, it was the Pharisees and the 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 religion in the day that condemned him and got so upset who do that to him and in essence that's the same thing happening in this story um, so something kind of similar right so, but anyway it's definitely an interesting story we're not saying we have all the answers but we do know a bunch of people died Jake because it says twenty three k right up there at the top that's so, how you know. Because this slide says 23K. So read this to us, and this comes out of the Torah portion. Right. So these things... this is the the NOG version. Right. These things have become examples for us so that we won't desire what is evil as they did. So don't worship false gods as some of them did. As scripture says, the people sat down to a feast which turned into an orgy. We shouldn't sin sexually as some of them did. 23,000 of them died in one day. Uh, we shouldn't put Yahweh to the test as some of them did. They were killed by snakes. Don't complain as some of them did. The angel of death destroyed them. These things happened to make them an example for others. These things were written down as a warning for us who are living in the closing days of history. So people who think they are standing firmly should be careful that they don't fall. So this is actually from... First Corinthians. Yeah, yeah. We didn't cite the source, but it's First Corinthians. So that whole line about the people sat down to a feast, which turned into an orgy. That's uh, that's something. So that he doesn't I don't like know that. about. He doesn't like. Yes, that. he doesn't like that. Okay. So. Um, so he's just talking about golden calf situation, right? Yeah. yeah. So. Um, but then it definitely references the uh, snake story there too. Right. So. And the, the complaining. So, and it says that happened to make an example out of them. Right. So, anyway, we don't want to be guilty of that. And so, this fiery serpent. So, here's a snake. Uh, and so, how do you what? How do you say this? this is kind of like how you would pronounce it in Hebrew. 
Nahash, I guess. Nahash, something like that. Saroff. Nahash, Saroff. And so you, I don't know what kind of snake this is. You got a picture of it. <laughs> I don't think it's even a snake. I think it's it got eel? Little, I think it's got little feet on it. It's a salamander. Okay. Well, I think it's going backwards. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. what's happening. It's kind of mesmerizing. So yeah, yeah, I don't know what that thing is. I don't want to walk on the beach. Though. It's just bad news. <laughs> That's all I know. Yeah. If I'm walking on the beach and that comes out, um, <laughs> I might scream like a little girl and run away. Uh, so, yeah, no thanks. Yes, so fiery serpent. So it's probably talking about like venomous snakes. Yeah. It seems like when you get bit, it feels like fire in your arm. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Not. And there's a whole, you know, some people say these are like spiritual beings because of what these words mean. You know, that's a whole nother rabbit trail that you can chase. But in the time frame and what we're doing here, we didn't chase that rabbit. But uh, definitely, definitely can. So, I think we're about to the end of week 39, numbers 19 through 22-1. Jake, uh, anything else you got to say here? Oh, yeah. There was one thing I wanted to mention. Um, So, in the early part of the portion, it talks about the red heifer and the... um, I I, I just discovered some of these little arrow keys down here. Yeah. And they let me go back and forth. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) But uh, so the red heifer um, has a so one of the standards there is seven days of uncleanness and ha- ha- talks about touching dead bodies and and how you're unclean with that for seven days and that kind of thing um, and just that um, if you touch the dead body you can't go into the presence of Yah um, but. Yeshua can because mm. he's not a dead body. He's a living. Uh, he's the he's the living uh, embodiment of of what the red heifer was, and no longer dead but alive. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's how he can come into the temple, which yeah. is us, right? Yeah, yeah. And my son Noah recently there's there's a scripture that we were talking about, and he he explained it as. The um, the Yeshua represents the priesthood in in our behalf, standing next to the Father all the time, and making those supplications and making that atonement for us. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. But, but anyway, we uh, we're doing these Torah portions. We have a whole bunch of them, and we're recording them kind of as we, we've been do, building them over the last few years. And we bottom line is, Jake, the, what do they need to do? You need to go read it for yourself. That's right. So I mean, we're not your teacher. We're not your rabbi. So we believe every person should read this and work it out for themselves. And uh, don't take other people's word for it. You read it. You discuss it. Find a group of people. If you're not part of a, a Torah fellowship, start one. You know, just there's no excuse. And so, um, yeah, people. That's right. If you if you feel like you want to do this, we'll start in your own house. Step one and make sure that your family gets the Torah portion. And I bet you if you start step one doing this with your family, you're going to find someone else along the way. It could be an older person, a single person, you know, who knows? 
could be your the friends of your children. And I would just encourage you to try it and see see what happens. And don't think that you have to do anything fabulous or it takes a giant house or lots of money. This is simple. Uh, you eat, you study. Uh, it's, it's, it's that simple. I mean, you don't even, yeah, you don't even have to eat, but we usually like to eat. Um, so, um, but, but for sure, you know, just, uh, just try it out. And if you need help finding fellowship, where could they go? Uh, I believe we have a map yes. on Sabbath lounge. Yeah. And, and it's linked to Psalm 119 ministries, right? The 119 so, ministries fellowship finder. Yep. Yep. So, but anyway, we thank you for being here and checking us out. And um, please give us a like, thumbs up, share, subscribe. And this is Matt and Jake signing out.